Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. You're listening to the most fraudulent F1 podcast with Dan, a.k.a. Engine Mode 11. I secretly moonlight as Helmut Marco at race weekends. And Blake, a.k.a. Break. Echo chambers of farts and idiots on Twitter after races. It's the Engine Breaking F1 podcast. Oh my goodness, we're back! Oh my god! Oh my is this, god! Is this episode three already? It is, mate. Yeah, right. And we're still not cancelled. Right. Well, go ahead and hit that sweet, sweet intro, my guy. Hey, I'm Dan, aka Engine Mode Eleven, and uh, you may know me from such places as Crime Watch and uh, Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to the Engine Break In Podcast, episode three. Uh, if you're wondering why I look and sound awful, it's because uh, I am. I, I've managed to catch some sort of virulent disease off my children, <laughs> and uh, I'm after this recording. I'm going to go out into the garden and uh, burn all of our bedding and clothes. <laughs> what? So, yeah. the, what an intro for anybody new to the podcast. That was that was beautiful. Uh, my name is Blake, aka Break. You've probably seen me on Drive to Survive season one introduction, such as lines made famous as a uh, thirty seconds, thirty seconds until I'm cancelled. Uh, but here I am on this podcast, and uh, tonight, tonight, tonight we've got a little guest who we'll introduce in just a second. But uh, we've we've recorded and published two episodes so far. What happened last week, which was kind of surprising? Well. 
somehow we've managed to break the Spotify algorithm and have placed ourselves 23rd on the sports podcasts in the UK. Now, to be fair, I didn't actually check to see what the other podcasts were, so they could all be shit, to be honest. <laughs> like, You know what? I'll we... take it, man. Lean into it. Yeah. With your chest, it, man. It looks good, but I don't know if it actually is. So but we'll take it. And that's all thanks to you. And uh, especially that one person that left us a one-star review. Right, that was beautiful. No words, no comments, just a one-star bang. And uh, yeah, I I respect that shithousery. Yeah, that was, I mean, let's be honest. Like, all the reviews should be one-star. But if you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform or watching this on YouTube, by the way, um, Engine Breaking is now live on YouTube. There's a link uh and just search it you'll find it or if you're in the stream there's a link right now but um we are hitting all your platforms fraudulently and very hard some short form content is coming soon um so if you're enjoying the show tell your friends about it tell your nan i'm sure she's gonna love it and uh maybe maybe i don't know come on our podcast at some point and tell us what she thinks about george russell <laughs> yeah we will accept all applications from all nans out there <laughs> but shall we um Shall we dig in? We've got a. This is our first guest, third episode, first guest. I think those Ooh. odds are pretty good. And and because we are probably the most unbiased Formula One podcast on the internet, we've decided to find another former Red Bull employee. Why not? Yeah, the the conspiracy theories are just. Is 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 there? I can hear them being typed already. Yeah, I I think the number one hashtag that's trending on our stream comments and our podcast comments is F one ixed or fixed. So with mm. without further fucking about, we've got our boy Joao Jeanette. Um, tell us where you're from, what you're doing now, what you did before. Let's let's, let's talk about the here and now and who you are first. How about that? Oh, who I am, that is a tricky question. Just before anything else, Dan, that, that one star review, that was me. So as soon as I as soon as I heard as soon as I heard I was gonna be on this podcast, I had to kind of level it down a bit just to lower expectations. So that was all me. I got completely, you. Uh, completely understandable. Hedge it, man. Lean into it, bro. Well anyway, Joao, welcome, man. Um so thank you. I can I can't I can't tell that you're Portuguese, man. Uh, well, you can tell that I have an unpronounceable name, so that automatically makes me as, as Portuguese as it gets. Okay, yeah. Um, JWoww, as everybody at work used yeah, to call that, you for the dorks that couldn't do Portuguese. That is my AKA. JWoww is, is the best I could manage. Uh, you guys to call me. Um, who am I? I uh, Yeah, I used to work with you guys uh, once upon a time. Uh, that was my last uh, serious employment. Since then, I've decided to be a freelancer slash bum slash whatever it is you're not moonlighting um, his helmet marco as well are you because they're <laughs> no. doing that no I, I i mean i can still make use of both my eyes and i can't grow a beard as strong as dan so uh, <laughs> fair true. enough i think you all right so we've confirmed there seems that it should to be i was just gonna say there seems to be a pattern here that everyone that leaves red bull turns into jobless bums <laughs> yeah like there's a there pattern a imagine fact. here as a fact, oh, yeah. one, one might say that if that's a better alternative than working at Red Bull, then uh, it's it's pretty low. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I, don't. I think it was more of a life choice than uh, than anything else. Yeah. So, speaking of speaking of life choices, what are you doing now professionally if you're not working in 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 Wonderland? So since yeah, since leaving Red Bull, I've been kind of uh, 
trying my best at being a performance slash race engineer. So moving from a factory role to a trackside role uh, at different levels. So I did a bit of uh, sports car racing to start with uh, while I was still at Red Bull and then a bit of Japanese F3 as well, still at Red Bull. And then after I left, I did more sports cars in uh, WEC for a couple of seasons uh, with Jota. Fucking hell, man. And then uh, I'm doing Formula 2 now. Um <laughs> And you, As a race, you engineer. race engineering in F2. So you've let's we can uh that that's that's a pretty awesome CV. If like if somebody saw that and they're like they looked at what you used to do, which we'll get into in a second, and they look at like your kind of progression through this and like really transitioning your career completely from from um you know technical engineering, like very, very much in the weeds, in the nuts and mm-hmm. bolts and the details to yeah. taking a step back. So why don't we uh why don't we talk through that and like Another th- another thing for our guests, we'll, we'll uh, plug it later in the pod as well. So, Joao, you've <laughs> also got a podcast, a uh, Formula One podcast in Portuguese, which we'll we'll plug and give you all the links and everything else later in the stream. But uh, so you know, this is this is pretty cool, and uh, hopefully, I'll come join you later in the season. I think Mexico time. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, yeah, we basically have a Portuguese version of of your podcast. Just uh, three guys sitting, well, two guys and a girl actually. Uh, sitting down after every every F1 race, yeah, and just chatting shit for an hour. Dude, I we try love... to, it's it's there's so much shit to be chatted that yeah. we normally struggle to keep it under an hour. Yeah, uh, even though we try yeah. every week and fail every week. Have we hit an episode under an hour yet? Nah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's it's, it's 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 fully fraudulent. It's a bunch of BS and uh. Having... And the funniest thing is, like, we we there's a really boring race, and we think this one, this one's a perfect one to keep it at 45 minutes. Let's do yeah. it. And then we just ended up chatting shit about how boring it was, and it's hilarious. And then it was like an hour fifteen anyway. And they just lean into some random topic and go twenty yeah, minutes like... anyway. Anyway, so so current F two race engineer, and you've done a bit of sports mm-hmm. sports car performance and race engineering. Let's go. Let's go back a little bit. So looking at your CV right now, uh, aerodynamicist like... at McLaren from two thousand eleven to two thousand and fifteen, and then you joined the big bad bulls so uh that's right yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty yeah, cool no, mclaren was my first job out of uni which i i mean i i would say i'm amazed that that's that i got that job but i'm not because i know why i got it uh it's because your good looks the, uh, not really okay the head of our the head of error at the time he, he told me like he never learned my name through four years that i was there he wouldn't know my name but he did tell me <laughs> He just called me mate. I knew I knew that he didn't know my name because every time he called me, he just called me mate. Um, and so he uh, he told me that yeah, we were looking for senior arrows and we couldn't find any. Then we were looking for arrows with experience and we couldn't find any. So we went to students, and out of the students, you were the best one. And there were like six somehow. And wow. Out of those six, I happened to be the least least bad one. Yeah. So uh, I I got I got that job um, a bit surprisingly because I got rejected by every team on the grid. Yeah, people are like, you don't, you don't have experience. Like, we can't yeah, do exactly. anything with you. And, and McLaren are like, um, uh, we need someone to run the wind tunnel. Do, yeah. Can you start tomorrow? Yeah, we I'm need like... a, we need a grunt. And that's it's, you. People say you get lucky, but you kind of make your own luck. And you, you yeah. yeah, you have to get lucky to get the interview, and then you have to kind of make the most out of the situation and actually nail it. Yeah. And I, I guess I did a good job back then. I also had like a, a final year project that was very specific and very related to aero um like f1 aero uh, i did a bit of form the student which helped me a, a little bit understand like you know which 
point to which bit of the race car goes into the corner ahead of the other bit. Because so, you, you're going backwards, or is that yeah, just the Latifi? pointy bit? The pointy bit should be ideally not going so sideways Nick, or backwards. Nick DeVries figured that out in his first Formula One Grand Prix with Williams. That was pretty good. Can we? Uh, yeah. I'm yeah, gonna, we're going to. I'm sure we'll get back it, to Nick as well. And then, and then, yeah. and then, fast forward to the Red Bull. So, like, what kind of projects at Red Bull Racing? Like, what was your what was your expertise? And speaking of, before we get to that, didn't your boss just call you "Hey, cunt," Dan? Was that what they used? For me, yeah. Uh, I don't. That's too much endearment in that term. Okay, yeah, exactly. And if if anybody's like that, that word's got some bad rap. But like, it's a quite endearing term anywhere except for America. But uh, yeah, Americans don't don't dig that. Word. Yeah, but anyway. I mean, it's not, it's not like half of our listeners in America anyway, so <laughs> shit. Anyway, anyway. So Red Bull, um, Arrow after, what, four years at McLaren? Yep. Uh, it was quite different when I first started at Red Bull compared to McLaren. McLaren was, you know, most people were from either Oxbridge or uh, Bristol or Imperial or Southampton. Yeah. That's pretty much the only options. And then you get to, and then you get to, and you know, dress code. There was a dress code. It was like smart casual, so you, you couldn't wear jeans. You had to wear a shirt or McLaren. a polo. Yeah, McLaren. Yeah. And then you get to Red Bull, and the dress code is non-existent. Yeah. Like by my yeah. for, by my second summer, I was shorts and flip flops every every day, pretty much. <laughs> like I started, I started wearing shirts because I had them. So I'm like, I may as well, you know. Otherwise, I can just gathering dust in the. But I I gave up after like a month. What did you interview in, Dan, when you went for your interview at, at oh, Red Bull? I was in like a, I was in like a proper suit and like I don't think I had a tie. But I definitely had like a sh- proper shirt and a jacket. And I was just gonna say that over that six-year career that I had there, by the end of it, my wife kept asking if I actually had a job because I just, <laughs> I just looked progressively more homeless yeah, across yeah. those six years. And she's like, "Are you sure you're not just sitting outside MK Central begging for money or something?" Yeah. I was like, "No, I've, got, I've actually got a job." Yeah, you, you beg for money and Red Bull team kit. Somehow you yeah. get that. I By remember- the end of it, I, I gave so few, fu- such few fucks that I think I was sitting in my cycling gear at my desk for a whole afternoon at one point. <laughs> You go for it, yeah. I mean, because that was that was a big thing. It's like, and when the weather's nice, even when it's shit, like go out at lunchtime, get away from your desk, which yeah. is something which is something I struggle to do now, working for myself, working from home. It's like, no, I've got work to do. I'm I'm grinding. I'm like, I should probably go ride my freaking bike. But so I, I my interview, I think I wore like something smart, casual, and then I see Rocky who was interviewing me for my first interview, he's wearing a fucking hoodie and some team, some travel kit jeans. And I was like, this dude's in PP jeans interviewing me in a hoodie. All I'm right. overdressed. Memo, memo understood. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, over- but like, I guess if you show up to a job interview looking like a bum, that's probably a bad thing. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you want to, you, you'd rather aim higher than, than, yeah, so it. so for any of our listeners that are uh, out here for career advice, Dan's done a couple videos on that. I've done a couple as well. Uh, don't don't underdress for your first interview, but if you show up in a, but for the second, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Read read the room. Yeah. Read the room. Use your use your deduction skills. So, what do you um? What's next? So Red Bull. What was your what was like kind of like your main focus and your like your your expertise? Because like in in terms of teams in Formula One teams. 
how do how do they break down the design of the car in terms of groups because i know there's a structure and it, it varies from team to team a bit but um can you tell us about your experience with that yeah th there have been variations on the theme but typically there will be three to four teams three of the teams will focus on front middle and rear of the car and then the fourth team usually they call it concept it's either future car or if there's something really hot going on that season like for instance in when i started there was the kind of uh, blown exhaust project you mean cheating uh, uh, <laughs> wow the, everyone was the, doing the it, cheating so. groups okay we understood this yeah and, and, right so let's just let's just coin this real quick former red bull engineer confirms uh an aerodynamic group focused on cheating or that's all for really or just doing a really good job inside the regulations but anyway that would be the first one would be a, a really good youtube clickbait title <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we'll run with that one all right cool uh we'll mark that one to, to be fair most of the cheating that i witnessed that uh, at all teams that i've been at has been uh, uh accidental cheating yeah <laughs> because because the regulations are so stupid that in in some in some points like because there's a rule that um you know, a certain area of the front wing end plate, there has to be a, a, a minimum radius so that the wings don't cut the tires so easily. So you don't, you know, if someone's front wing tags a tire, it doesn't generate the puncture so easily. And, but when you're surfacing in that area, if you don't do it in one very specific way, you start, you think you have an, uh, the, the correct radius throughout, but sometimes the CAD software just deviates a little bit and you go illegal. And then... Ah. Uh, Sometimes you open the you open the CAD and you and you kind of go inspect that bit and I'm like oh that's uh, that's not our five that's our that's our four point five and that's in the race car right now so uh, yeah I, hope they don't, right. <laughs> I, I like how you said teams that. that you used to work for you're saying obviously pre Red Bull so you've just outed McLaren massively right it, it, it was both yeah it was both. I mean those are the kind of, of shit those are the kind of things that you happen you're like these radii radii are fucked so yeah. so those are the groups what was your like what was your expertise and like where you kind of like wrapped up your career at red bull racing so at red bull i was on i was on the front wing for most of my time there um i don't really know how i ended up there i was in the front of the car by the time i'd left mclaren but i spent most of the time on the rear um, i bet you and did then... <laughs> uh, and then when i got to red bull it was um I guess it was available. So I, I, I was mostly working on front wings, front wing and plates, and, and sometimes the inboard bit as well. Yeah. And that's kind of what made me a bit disillusioned was that I was, I was kind of stuck in that area of the car, which, you know, I eventually got bored of because once you've drawn 57 front wing and plates in a season, you're like, yeah, can I do something else now? But unfortunately, it was, it, it was weird because the structure the, and the ethos of the company, the, the ethos of the company, it was meant to be, um, freedom and everything's very fluid and everyone can draw anything but the reality is if you try to draw something that someone else was used to drawing that guy would be like super pissed at you yeah, yeah. and 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 then you just you know get into trouble so no one ever did anything outside of their kind of normal thing so it got really boring really quickly which is why i kind of ended up falling out of love with it yeah but i guess that's the kind of thing it's like i guess i don't know if dan you have anything similar it's like once you're like good at something the, the, the it's in a lot of people's best interest to keep you doing that thing because they've not only invest in you as an employee but it's like you have those skills if we you know let you do something else you know then we've got to we have to or you who are exceptional at this job have to train somebody else at this thing which reduces the output and it's one of those things like as soon as you lose 
site of you know development and stuff yeah people get... i was hyper focused in one area because it made more sense for them like you say to have me focus on that one area and have a team of four other people doing the other areas you know which it, it worked to a degree but then sometimes when i wasn't there and i was literally the only person trained to do something i did get some interesting phone calls at 3 a.m from australia from olaf and things like that so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah and, i and mean it... there's a sorry I, I think there's a balance because especially when you go to creative kind of jobs it does if you're doing the same thing over and over again yes you're really good at it you can i could draw an in plate with my eyes closed but uh, at one point i'd much rather just like draw something else and and i probably have some different ideas compared to the person who was drawing that something else and that person would probably have different ideas drawing in plates yeah and and sometimes it gets a bit stale if you don't if you don't move around and and and, and circulate yeah no I, I get that completely and i think i i think probably I wouldn't be surprised if every single employee in the sport didn't have that sentiment and they these people are distributed across every single team in the sport. And I think that's just the nature of it. It's like one of those specialization versus diversification things in career. Yeah. So you kind of finished up drawing front wings, which I, I think, I feel like those are kind of like a, a coveted area of the car. Like people are really excited about front wings. They're, they're kind of sexy. There's There's parts of the car which people are perceived not to be so sexy and a bit of a grind. Cooling. But, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Cooling. Uh, Anything related to cooling yeah. is at least sexy. Yeah. And people are like, I want to draw the diffuser, man. Let me see some, show me your strakes. But um, now the front, the front wing is quite coveted. So coveted that uh, uh, basically there was another guy doing front wing and plates and he happens to be the one of the chief engineers now. And it was like chief aerodynamics at the time, which, which means that I had very tough competition for, to get anything in the car. <laughs> You're like, but I want to draw some sexy bits. He's like, no, all the juicy bits are mine. No, it oh. just takes. It often just take my bits and like tweak them a little bit, release them with his name on it, and then uh, that would make the race car. And I'm like, whatever, mate. Oh my god, I love that. Fucking so Adrian Newey, how dare he? <laughs> yeah. All right, so we've got we've got a segment later in the podcast called Fraud Watch, and I think I know who Joao's calling out. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm not naming names. Yet. Okay, so after that. We're actually, we haven't shit posted hardly at all. We're going to get to all that juicy, juicy stuff. But, uh, and we're going to get a lot of Joao's takes on these things too, because he's one and the same with us. He's super biased and he's, you know, hidden secrets, you know, money being exchanged to, to pay the FIA off to t tell one guy to tell another guy to tell another guy to do a thing in three different languages. But we'll get to that. So fast forward. I'm talking about Abu Dhabi again. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, and, and Yuki was involved in that as well. I'm just oh, that, that, yeah. oh, that was a different one. That was Zandvoort, obviously. But... And then the new one is that Red Bull were using AlphaTauri's budget. Oh, well, let's 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 save all that juice for later. So if you're if you're listening or watching along, you have a reason not to leave because we've got some of the filthiest, dirtiest, m most unvalidated dirt, and it's <laughs> it's definitely fake. But God, we love talking about it. So finish up an arrow at Red Bull Racing, and then you stayed in Red Bull but did something else. Yeah, so I the plan was to quit and go traveling for a year, and um, didn't you and, start that traveling trip and then like like hey uh... no no I, I I did but the thing is like when I quit no one at Red Bull believed me they thought I was going to Mercedes or somewhere else 
So when I said, I'm literally just going to go traveling for a year and figure out what to do next. I'm talking to universities about doing PhDs. So I might go in that direction, but yeah. I'm, I don't have another job. No one believed me. So much so that the day I resigned, I got escorted out of the office within an hour of me resigning. I barely had time to tell my boss that I had resigned and I was being escorted out of the office. What did you do, during, man? They let no, me during, stay at my desk for the entire duration of my notice period doing work on the current car. And they're like, was, we trust you. You look completely dead inside. You're definitely going to stream and play video games and make YouTube. <laughs> I must have been a complete dick throughout my time there because yeah. clearly, like, I, I was not believed at all. No, no but, that's exactly the same thing happened to me, right? But what if the worst thing for me was is that I handed my notice in the afternoon before. I got to stay for the rest of the afternoon. It was only like an hour or whatever. But then they fucking let me drive all the way to Milton Keynes and, like, my fingerprint wouldn't get in the door. And I was like, oh, shit, what's going on here? And they came out and they said, oh, you're on three months gardening leave. I was like, great, you made me drive all the way to Milton Keynes for that. But isn't that, just... best, isn't that the oh, best? Isn't that the best feeling? Yeah. Three months ago, that when I left McLaren, it was great. My timing was impeccable because I left McLaren. I, I so I handed my notice, left on holiday for two weeks, went to Seattle, and at the time I was just you know I just finished being a student, so I was still basically I booked my flight to land at six a.m. and I was going straight from Heathrow to Woking. From Woking to work, I was going to sleep my hangover, my my not hangover, but out my. Uh, jet lag off. At yeah, work, that's what we obviously. call. That's what we call hangovers before our first day of a new <laughs> job. Jet lag. Yeah, I had five I, pints I, of jet lag last night. <laughs> exactly. And I'm on the bus to from the train station to to um, to to the factory. And I text a friend of mine and ask him if I if I instead of taking the bus I could get a lift. Um, and he's like, Oh my, now I'm going in early. I have a new herd. It's like herd what? They fired twenty three people, like fairly high ranked people. And I'm like, no, I hadn't heard at all. It's like, wh who? Like, you know, chief, like head of Aero, like uh, chief engineer, all these people gone. And I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, we're all going in early now to, to show our faces and make an effort so we don't get yeah. sacked as well. Great. And I went, Great vibe. oh, cool. Well, just ask, uh, just ask um, Vince, uh, who was the kind of head of the DO at the time, just ask him where, where I should go because I'm guessing I won't be in the DO anymore because I resigned. And... Um, and literally five minutes later, Vince calls me saying, yeah, don't come in. Uh, your, your fingerprint's not going to work. Just go home. And uh, I, I, the thing is, like, I could have genuinely just tailgated someone all the way to the DO because you go in the bus with 10 other people going you, to the and same you, place. And you normally go through the, the security access and a queue of people if you're coming in anyway, right? Exactly. So I would have made it all the way to the DO and probably would have been escorted all the way out if I'd actually made it in. And yeah, and the next day, I, I, I had to drive to Woking, and I had a meeting with a guy called Matt Morris. I don't know if you remember him. No, no. Uh, also known as Chuck Norris, uh, because, uh, yeah, he, he looked a bit like him. Uh, and yeah, he told me I got six months off, so uh, have fun. I love that. I love that. So it, it was, that, was, that was a better experience. Anyway, uh, going back to Red Bull. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I was on my, uh, on my notice period. They made me work um, just on random bullshit for a couple of weeks and then basically the car that we just finished like you know we finished the launch car which is rb13 the 17 car 2017 car i hate that car was, so much but let's, yeah, let's avoid that it was such a turd that basically they went uh, adrian please come back and fix it that was kind of the the message and adrian was doing the valkyrie pretty much full-time yeah like, he was not around much of that winter he would come to the meetings but he wasn't like he drew maybe two bits for the 
throughout that whole development with that car. Um, and he was full-time on the Valkyrie. And so they went, uh, uh, we need someone to just, just kind of take that over in terms of like actually drawing bits. Yeah, de- not like being them. detail design, not concept and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the concept off. was done. This concept was broadly done. It's just like the detail stuff needed to be done. So they pulled me over to that project. So it was a team of three, four of us, depending on how many people were leaving at, that, I, at any time. And then, um, and then Eddie would come in and kind of discuss and, 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 and kind of set a direction that we should head um, with, with that. So those six months was actually quite enjoyable, which is how I ended up staying for a couple more years after that. But that's, that's actually pretty cool because you were spending a lot of time one-on-one more or less with the uh, the Oracle as in some sense. <laughs> the Yoda. Yeah, exactly. Like it, 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 it's got, it's got a pretty impressive CV that dude as Adrian. So, and you were, you were hanging out with him one-on-one oh, quite a bit, yeah. and like on a technical level. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that was the, that was the main thing. It was, and, and from an aerodynamicist point of view and in a project that he really cared about and he, that he followed from start to finish, I I have to say it was really enjoyable working with him, yeah. because he knew he knew about everything. I think that uh, a, a lot of the issues that that happen these days is the fact that he's not involved as involved in development as he used to be, at least when I was around. Yeah. And people and people sometimes don't don't get that, and you know they know more about the details than than he does, and sometimes they get kind of offended by, you know, whatever his opinions are if yeah. they are not completely. As, as informed as as theirs are, yeah, yeah. But in in my case, I have nothing to say because that that, that was never the case because he, yeah. he was as far into the project as I was, yeah. Um, and so it was actually yeah, it was very enjoyable. And I found him to be quite the main thing that I, I liked is is he was quite open about you know how little we all knew about aerodynamics. Yeah, you know, if someone that's they they say that you know the the greatest asset of someone with a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge is knowing how little they know about the subject that they're yeah. you know the you know the that. extent when you're going from from facts and objectiveness to opinion and like yeah. the realms of not particularly true and not getting to attach to that because once you know that you don't know you can't yeah. latch on to stuff that you're grasping at that it, that's outside of your circle of knowledge yeah. That's, so yeah it was it was, it was quite cool. easy to to deal with with sort of you know if, if he said something and i disagreed with it but i could back it up with data uh then that was okay I, I, that was not a problem at all, and, and obviously vice versa. But that would always be the case because he's, you know, he's the boss. But even going the other way, as long as I could back it up, it was fine. If I couldn't back it up, I would just, you know, kind of defer, drag myself into a corner, and, and be shot in the head, as I should be. Uh, but I feel like in in aero, like big te- big development teams, that happens less because the people who are in charge, like the further down you go, the more political it becomes, and, and the less. Kind of in the you know the less people know they don't know, and so the more they kind of gets attached to certain things, and and, and the messier it becomes. That's really interesting to think about. But it, it's yeah, it's like the the less experienced people thinking they know more, then they become super yeah. emotional and attached to concepts that are. Yeah. That's fucking just think nice. of, just just think about how you thought as you know if you did formula student when you're doing formula student or you know when you started at your job, think about your mindset back then. And think about your mindset now and kind of propagate that to 10 years. And I, I say I don't know a hundred times more often now than I did when I started working in F1. And that's a good thing. Yeah. 
That that's that's actually an insane insight. That is that is super cool. So we've got F1. We've got Valkyrie Project, which is super cool. Um, well, it, it will will be cool. <laughs> will be cool. Maybe if if Aston manages to find some money somewhere under a rock, it will be cool. I'll it's, if they find some money, well. they can call me because I I do stuff as well. I, I I race car Zoom. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> so let's let's fast let's fast forward a bit because I I think that's super cool and like honestly we could talk about that for freaking ever, but um we need to get to some some filth and some dirt. And uh, I think we should probably talk a little bit about just just real quick before we move on to like what's going on now in the world of Formula Two, uh, Formula One, and everything else. You know, we've got a whole lot of topics, and um, and I think Dan might pass out from the man flu soon if we don't if we don't <laughs> no, activate sorry, him. Sorry, sorry, I'm I'm listening intently, I, and I'll just I, chirp in with a swear word now and again. Yeah, no, uh, fuck. No, 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 no! It's bollocks. Not, bollocks! Absolute dog shite. Uh, but, but yeah. Um. So you got out of aero design, and you we went, we went, we went motor racing. Yep. But I don't want to so, trigger anybody with that phrase. But we went, we went motor racing. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the first chance I got to go motor racing was actually Adrian's son, uh, Harry Newey, who I think you met once. Yeah, I met him in the simulator a couple times. Yeah. Um, So he was racing for a Portuguese team by complete accident. (laughs) Well, uh, Obrigado. Run run by a a fairly crazy British ex-mechanic. And... uh, and they just fired their race engineer. And so they were, they needed one for the next race. So Adrian basically comes to my desk and says, so you said you wanted to get into race engineering, right? Cause that was one of my, one of the terms. So basically when they asked me to, to stay on the Valkyrie, I asked, okay, and you have to let me go travel for three months, which they did. So I went travel for three instead of 12, yeah. which is better than nothing. Um, and when I'm back, I want to start getting into race, enge- race engineering because I want to kind of learn a bit more about actual race cars rather than just aerodynamics. And so Adrian comes to my desk at one point and goes, you said you wanted to go race engineering, right? Said, yeah. What are you doing in next week? And I was like, um, nothing in particular. Okay, do you want to come to Red Bull Ring and do, a, and do an LMS race? So I literally par- got parachuted in. I got the manual for the car the day I got there. And we were running. This was like about 4 p.m. Come and on. we were running at 9 the next morning. And uh, uh. it was just, it was just, a ridiculous experience and I think sink or finished, swim yeah i mean it went okay and it was my first time talking to a car it was my first time everything was was the first time that i was doing it but it was great fun and um i think we finished like sixth or something um which for an lms race is not that bad yeah um because there's a lot of cars there's like 23 lmp2s or something so finishing sixth or seventh or whatever it was is not bad um and then kind of it went from there. I did the rest of the season. I got fired twice uh, in four races. Uh, the second time it was for good. Um, <laughs> um, oh, dear. The perfect I mean, guest. The perfect first guest. Yeah, I've been fired from every job uh, I've had. It's it's a wild west completely. Like I, I got fired after Silverstone for telling the, just one-on-one telling the team owner, the, the boss, like, look, 
you got you've got a good team here. We just need a bit more organization. You know, just having a timetable would be good. And he absolutely flipped at me and said, just leave this garage and never come back in front of everyone. He shouted at me in front of everyone. And then the next day, I had a question from his wife, who is a team manager, asking, so when do you want to fly to Spa? Um, so I guess I was unfired fairly quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that first time. Fuck off, leave this garage. We'll see you next week. My, my uh, business partner slash wife will be in touch. Yeah, it was something along those lines. Anyway, the following season, I still I was still at Red Bull, and I decided it was a good idea to do um, Japanese Formula Three. So I, I flew back and forth to Japan <laughs> ten times that season, while managing a team and uh, doing the Valkyrie. So that was great. Fun. Fuck, uh, I was I was pretty broken by the end of that yeah. season. <laughs> I mean, let's we'll, we'll get into that in a minute because we've got a pretty uh, deal breaking Formula One season. I'm, I'm not sure what the F two season looks like, but let's. Let's fast forward now. Like, what are you doing now? So you tell us about what you're doing now, like the last season. So I'm uh, in FIA Formula 2 um, with a new team, Van Amersfoort Racing, uh, which just took over from a German team that did, um, you know, they didn't, they weren't doing very well. They wanted to pull out of the sport, uh, F3 and F2. So Van Amersfoort took over and we've been kind of doing our best to uh, to match up to the you know the other 10 teams that have been doing this for four years at least yeah with these cars and two years with these tires and it's obviously not easy but uh i think we've done a half decent job yeah uh, so far so it's, it's, yeah. it's like learning the car from an engineering point of view and then learning all that you know because like people always talk about race engineering like it's this science and stuff and it's not there's so much of so much of race engineering is experience and intuition and then mm. eventually you get enough tools if you're lucky to uh, boil that down into a, some sort of a science, but it's still like, it's like chaos. Like we talk about, it's like when yeah. people, th when people think that formula one teams have everything figured out, it's like, mate, have you seen Ferrari this season? Have you seen, you know, yeah. Red Bull in seasons past? Have you seen, you know, Mercedes rocking up after dominating everything and they rock up with an engine that's not up to scratch and a car that has some serious, serious flaws that nobody predicted nobody's got yeah. this shit figured out and then you go down the down the the rung a bit to like formula two yeah um and i mean got... you're talking about f1 and you have wind tunnels you have seven seven post rigs you have all the tools in the world you have ir sensors on your tires you have the kind of the, obviously the cleverest people in in motorsport pretty much uh kind of you know putting models together well, and everything you else did, you did leave formula one so yeah I, i'm not i wasn't one of them i was a fraud Okay, like, well, uh, you know what? I'm we right all are. Yeah, we. <laughs> Actually, I'll do that later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 a really tricky championship because you know you think about Formula One, you have three hours of free practice before you go into qualifying. Yeah. We have forty minutes, and one set of tire of the wrong compound. <laughs> That's that's what we've got, and most of these forty minutes are usually taken over by red flags because the standard <laughs> of driving is, let's say, not the highest. Do I mean is is the, the is the number like there's F three? Is that like third tier standard of driving? Two is second tier, and one is mostly it's some pretty good. It's yeah. not that linear. Yeah, that linear. So it drops but... off like massively. Gets you know exponentially shitter the lower you go down the Fs. Well, I, I think the difference is that F two is twenty two cars. So, you know, you have a percentage of idiots in those 22. And then you go to F3, it's 30 cars. So if you take the same percentage of idiots, then you just have more cars 
about ready to pull a Latifi and just fucking destroy everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know you. if you saw the Spa F3 race. It was absolutely epic. It. Uh, there was a, this kid called Kushmaini. Um, he, he absolutely sent it into the bus stop. And he would have overtaken the guy he was trying to overtake. However, there was a guy in front that got T-boned by this guy. Okay. So at this point, this, this kid is missing a wheel. So the wheel's like completely hanging off. Like it's completely ripped off the car. It's held by the tethers. And you know how in Spa you have the bollard of pit entry. Yeah. If you, you can still get in after the bollard, but then you get a penalty. So this kid crosses at 90 degrees, the track at 90 degrees to try and go on the right side of the bollard because he thinks that somehow his mechanics can salvage his race. Yeah, even though like his wishbones, yeah. wishbones are hanging off yeah. the car. It's like, mate, you can fix this in a lap, right? Just yeah. and, and in the process, takes out two more cars because he's obviously driving no. at 90 degrees to the racetrack, one of which was the, eventually the championship winner. Um, so his race was destroyed by this guy who was trying to make it back to the pits legally, even though he was missing a wheel. <laughs> legally so while this... ramming two other fucking cars. <laughs> It's oh, this it level of racing. Uh, um, did you guys have any qualifying in Monza shenanigans? Because I remember a couple years ago, like the number of cars parked on the penultimate <laughs> corner, just like, ah! and they're like, listen, kids, you're going to have to sort this shit out. <laughs> yeah, I think the session was that flagged for driving standards. And then they were just like, we're not restarting. You're all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it, it's been better. Uh, it's still... It's still pretty stupid. Um, and I mean, it, it, they don't show it on TV so much anymore. Uh, I think to not, not embarrass themselves. Yeah. Uh, but like they don't show the shit show on TV. But the reality is out of 22 drivers, 10 had to abort their first push lap because of, you know, a mess. It's not necessarily like people impeding each other so much. It's that the tires are so kind of finicky. And obviously you don't have blankets, which is something that F1 is going to have to deal with soon. And so the warm-up procedure is quite important. And yep. if you focus on getting a toe not, and not focus on warming up your tires, yeah, you've got a great toe. Perfect. You get into turn one, you hit the brakes, and the thing doesn't slow down because the tires are cold. Yeah, and so you go through all the polystyrene boards and exactly. yeah. hit the super chicane. Nice. So it, it's still a mess, but it's a bit better. It's less embarrassing, maybe. Okay. So, like, I guess the last question, because I feel like we've spent, like, 40 minutes on on your background which is actually super freaking interesting and i'm sure everybody's gonna love it but we've got like this isn't yeah, a serious sorry. this isn't a serious podcast at all <laughs> um i guess just like one of those big questions because we're gonna get this is the only time we've ever been serious on this pod isn't it am i gonna cry i think so i think this is probably the most the most serious we've been so so we're leaving it out and we'll we'll ask just how fucking messy is adrian um messy in terms of well i've seen his home office and it looks like a fucking bomb's gone off in it <laughs> paperwork everywhere there's shit everywhere like how that man does what he does creating that much chaos on his it, desk i don't know i mean I, i'm not surprised because mine's a bit like that as well and and also i vividly remember him him coming into kind of our pen of i don't know four six however many we would be at that time because i the size of my team varied between four and like 12, depending on how many people resigned from Red Bull. Cause we'd get all of them. We'd get like all the guard, the notice period people over. So yes. sometimes there were yeah, 12 yeah. of us, sometimes there were four. 
the departure lounge. Yeah, exactly. We were the unofficial departure lounge. <laughs> and he would literally grab any piece of paper available. It could be a tax return. It could be anything else, like just to sketch something. So I'm not surprised that. Yeah. I love that. That is fucking mental. He'll, he does love a good sketch. Some poor sod has to go and then put that into CAD. Yeah, can you scan my tax return? Oh, shit. <laughs> they only paid you what? Broke ass bitch. Yeah, yeah, Adrian, this is my tax return. Yes, I make less a year than you make an hour. Yes, this is true. <laughs> I love that. So the last serious question is what do you what are you thinking your your next your next your your plan is, like your short term plan? Are you are you vibing and thriving in the world of Formula Two race engineering? Do you miss designing? Like the simplest answer to that question that you've got. I don't miss designing so much i do miss having good tools and being around super clever people yeah so it'll be good to have some sort of a middle ground between what like what i'm doing now which is a small team doing our best with very little information available and not being able to get that information yeah and formula one which is kind of completely the opposite but where i'd have to probably be in a factory so i'd like you know, if, if I could have my way, then I'd have find something that would be a bit of a middle ground where I'd have a bit more data and a bit more kind of track time and access to the car and the tires and, you know, to be able to actually do engineering. Because at the moment, I feel like I'm guessing half the time, or more yeah. than half the time, 80% of the time. I think, yeah, I think people underestimate but, the, the amount of guesswork you need, especially in lower formula and the gut feel that you have to exercise. Yeah, which, which you know, being new to the job, the gut feel is, is just quite unreliable. So it, it gets a lot better with time, obviously. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like I'm doing a much better job now than I was at the start of the season and as we are as a team yeah. because of that experience that we've gained. Um, so, yeah, if that, if, if, you know, if that can be achieved in F2 uh, or if, if, if there'll be somewhere else, it kind of depends on yeah. kind of, you know, how it works out. So... That's kind of my, it's not a great answer to that question. No, it's a good, it's a good answer because you don't need, like, everybody talks about, like, having to have a super plan. Like, Dan, when you, when you left Red Bull, did you have a plan? No, I didn't even have a job to go to. Yeah, it's like, like, I literally just turned up one day and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'll find something else. I'm done. And that's not, that's not a slight on F1 or Red Bull, but I, I think. That a lot of people get to that stage where they just think, you know what, I'm done. The the burnout in F1 is very real. Yeah. And, and I, f- I feel like the people who manage to survive for a very long time uh, often operate at a at a at a lower level than the people who end up leaving. Like not a lower level of intellect, but just a lower level of dedication. Yeah. And that's what makes them kind of manage to last that long. And that's probably a good thing. It's probably healthier, but yeah. I but, I couldn't be in F1 and not give 110% because what would be the point, you know? Yeah. That's but, that's a very good point. But it's, it's like, yeah, it's not a slight at those people, but it's just like, hmm. but I, yeah, I was just, I was at the same point. I was like, you know what? I've enjoyed every single experience I've had here. There's been highs, there's been lows, but it's like, I want to do something else and like, you know, be that, so what I'm trying to ask you is when are you quitting race engineering to come do YouTube because uh, my channel's in the mud. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, uh, clearly, I, clearly I can do both. Uh, yeah, I just you, have to, I just have to kind of fill in the gaps in, uh, in between the we, races. We've got time. We've got time. So speaking of, should we, Dan, should we get into it? Speaking of one of the most Go probable it. things that's likely to burn personnel out, what would you say that is if we're looking forward to next year? 
Oh, how about a 24 race calendar that geographically makes about as much sense as a chocolate teapot? <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. So are you, are, you, are you talking about going from Australia to China to Azerbaijan to Miami to Imola? That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, the, the, the three races in America that we decided not to do anywhere near each one another so we'll go in and out the america three times and the one in canada as well yeah yeah that's nuts but it, it's like one of those things like we talk about sustainability and like the, the the biggest impact on you know the sustainability of the sport is not the cars running around a circuit you know you've got these 20 cars running around on you know eaten race race corn juice and then it's like, yeah, we've also got to ship hundreds of personnel, shitloads of cars, all sorts of other stuff all over the world. And it's like we do this calendar, which is literally back and forth between, you know, the East continents and everything else. And I was talking to my girlfriend about it the other night and it was she made it super clear. It's like it's about money. <laughs> yeah. And it 100 percent is like imagine imagine you had Miami, Montreal, Austin, uh, Las Vegas, you know, Four weeks back to back to back to back are you gonna no one would go to all four no and like and and, you know sure there are people that are gonna go to maybe two of them the super enthusiasts that are happen to be blessed hashtag blessed with a big fat bag of cash because those races are extortionate but what do do you guys think about it uh i think you you've basically said it there with just the term money Hmm. Um, I'm not sure. So it's a 24 race calendar. Um, China's on there on the 16th of April, but I'm not sure if we're going to go to that, you know, because they're still having some fun and games with COVID and their, their protocols to get in and out of that country are super strict. Yeah. Yep. I miss that track. That's a super cool circuit. Like, like, you know, there was hardly ever any fans there when we went there the last couple of years or when I was there at least, but like, and it's a really long, sketchy 40-minute bus ride to and from the circuit. And the circuit's in the middle of nowhere. But that track is cool. Yeah, that's a cool track. A I su- mean, then you, then you have the issue of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix where there was a, a slight terrorist attack there last time around. It's just like something small. It's I, was there, I was there for F2 and I, suddenly I looked at the sky and I see a, a cloud. And I'm like, oh, that's the first cloud I've seen in a while. It might rain. Yeah. That's not your average cloud. Not yeah. a rain cloud. Oh fuck! I mean, that's and that's got that's got to be one of those weird things. You're like, I, I that's I mean that's kind of how I inherit my job. Effectively, my first job at the track is, it was 2012, and all shit kicked off in Bahrain. Lots of oh, yeah. lots of unrest, and uh, there were petrol bombs, burning tires, cars on fire, and all that. And some people were like, I'd oh, like to. That- the Arab Spring when that kicked off. I think so. it might have been. I'm not sure, but it's like you know, like uh, people like, hey, uh, we want to leave, and like, okay, well, if you feel unsafe, you can go home. And some of them went home, and they're like, actually, Bernie said you're not allowed back. <laughs> is, is basically what happened for the f- few people that did exercise um, caution, and uh, so it's. But anyway, do miss Bernie? I mean, we've, we've got a 24 race calendar. Are there any? Triple, quadruple headers on there? I didn't look in detail. Uh, we do yeah, have a couple so of triples. You've got Imola, Monte Carlo, Barcelona as a triple. Love that. And I think there was another one. But maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like it's like one of those things. It's like, you know, when I was there, um, 
when I was on the fence of like, do I leave performance engineering at the track or the track side? It was like, you know, I was on what they were on 21, 22 races and I was race engineering tests and stuff as well. So it's like, fuck man, that's a lot of work. And like, I don't have time to do anything, but what about the guys and, and gals now, man? That's a lot of people. And, and people also forget like, you know, D Dan, for example, is like getting calls when the guys are in, you know, in Australia. And it's like, yeah. it's, it's like one of the things that you're always, you're always on. There's a lot of personnel that are not only track side, but factory based who are on this. And it's like, there's a cost cap now, but then they're adding yeah. more and more and more events. And it's like, how do you avoid burnout for, uh, people, people yeah. in general, not just traveling staff. Cause people are like, Oh, what about the race? And like, yes, those guys and gals are making some huge, sacrifices for this lifestyle and the guts and glory and all the champagne and blowjobs you can yep. you can ever think of but like holy 24 mm. with a couple but a it's, couple okay, long sense. it's okay though blake because didn't you only just fly in on the thursday and then fuck off after the race on sunday when was you hollywood in it up i think they no do comment. yeah see real, <laughs> try, real try. men Try coming in on Tuesday, setting up That's the garage. That's right. Yeah, no, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We were Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, we land Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon. Uh, go out for a nice meal. Uh, no, not really, rarely. Um, but then you've got curfews as well, which obviously help a bit. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, that's, but, that's becoming you know, more reasonable, the curfews and stuff. But I mean, that's. But at, at the same time, it's. I mean, when you get to these numbers, then it's. It's just a lot of time away from home and, and, and yeah. people start to lose their shit a little bit. And, and yeah, you have to start thinking about rotating. I think it's already happening in some teams. Uh, like some positions are already rotating. Um, like performance engineers are rotating in systems yeah. as well. And, and that's what I wanted to do back Controls. in the day. It's like if, if there were three performance engineers and I could get my race workload down to like 14 and you have yeah. a floater between cars or something, like that would be yeah. cool. And like even doing factory support on the weekends from the factory... But but yeah. anyway, that's neither here nor there. What what do you guys think about because I like the number of comments and quote tweets I've had about the calendar. People are like there's too many fucking races in America. And let's let's just call it North America because Canada's effectively right there. That's an easy one relatively to get to. What do you guys what do you guys think about the concentration of events in North America? I mean, America uh, itself is like bigger than Europe anyway, isn't it? In terms of geographical landmass. Yeah. So yeah, go nuts. Let them have free. I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. My my biggest problem, and we'll, maybe we'll come back to this in a minute, is the fact that they've scheduled uh, Spa to be on the same weekend as Spa Twenty Four. Yeah, I think it, that's a bigger issue they're going to have. Yeah, Mate, it's 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 fine. The GTs drive on the grass most of the time anyway, so <laughs> Track limits. they'll just yeah. yeah, they'll just stay out of each other's way. No problem, I think. Yeah, um, but, but the, I, just I, to the point though, another another thing before you answer, Joao is. Um, so the live stream over on my Twitch stream at break, uh, they have informed me that spa 24 has been moved forward now, but also this is not the first time that we've had, um, multiple U S races. At one point there was three in a season, so it's not new, but people are, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you think? What's your take on it? Sean? I, th I think my biggest issue with it is not the amount of races in America, but the fact that you're making new tracks in America, which are not that great. The Miami track, I don't think it's a great track, to be honest. 
I, I don't think he delivered great racing. And I mean, it was kind of falling apart for most of it. Well, the TV broadcast definitely did not capture it well, because in terms of overtakes at that point, it was statistically a pretty action packed race. But the TV director uh, was on holiday. Okay. They, must have, got, they must have got the crew from Monaco because Monaco has their own <laughs> TV crew. So, uh, but, yeah. but, but, but the point I was trying to make is like, you have some awesome tracks in the US. Like, you know, the Laguna Seca's, Sebring's, the, uh, I don't know, things you've never heard of, like uh, Road Atlanta, uh, Mid-Ohio, yeah. crazy racetracks that, I don't know, maybe not all of them are fit for F1, but IndyCar goes there. And, you know, at the end of the day, you do you do a bit of tidy up with the runoffs and all that. And they're old school tracks that deliver really good racing. Yeah. And you could just take one of them, you know, or two. And, yeah. and, and instead of necessarily making a new a new like Las Vegas track or a new Miami track. But we've got... All of our, I was going to say, all of our American listeners are now just shouting racetrack names at their uh, computer or their radio. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching this later on YouTube or you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave us a comment with your favorite American track that you would like to see Formula One return to. I've got, I've got a, a mixed feeling on that, and it's actually based on an experience I had going to a Formula E race. So I went to the London Formula E race, and it was my first time going to a Formula E race. And actually, spoiler alert, I've never been to a Formula One race as a punter. We've talked about that a couple of times. We'll get back to that. The cool thing about the Formula E event was I hopped on a train, showed up in London, hopped on the underground, and then hopped on one more connection of a train, and I'm in the middle of the track. You know, and yeah, that, that is cool. And that is the that is the promise that some of these city-based tracks. Yes, they're artificial circuits, but if the circuits are thoughtful, um, they offer good racing. I don't want to prejudge them based on oh, it's another street circuit. But it's like one of those things when we start losing or not utilizing, uh, you know, proper purpose-built race circuits that are iconic in every way. They just like. Yeah. The drive to survive crew is just like nah. That's and, kind and, of more. And my, I do know how to use trains, by the way. I do know how to use trains. I figured them out um, when I was like. That's more the point. 26. I mean, I, I, to be honest, the best I have been to a few races as a punter, and the best race I've been to was probably Singapore, exactly for that. Yeah, you walk because out of your hotel and you show up at the track. Precisely, and in, in between F and F two, you want to go grab a drink or grab something to eat. You just go into town, like it's yeah. there. You yeah. just walk. Dude. Whereas in you know any anything else, you just have to you know pay twenty quid for a shitty burger from a van that normally charges about three pound fifty for for the yeah, same. Those guys mm. got those guys got to make bank though. And Dan's yeah, like, I love those burgers. It's, it's fair enough. Between FP one, the demand's F- there. In Singapore, between FP one and FP two, if you want to go to Orchard Towers, then you know why not? Hey, four floors. If anybody, Woo! if anybody knows, they know. If you don't know, you don't need to know, and don't look it up. Confirm. Do not look it up. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's another one. It's like when you was like when some of the lads were out. It's like who? Hey, guess who we saw in four floors last night? You're like, <laughs> oh really? Oh okay, okay, interesting. So that's that's another one. Is so we've got the the F one calendar. Let's, let's go back to your neck of the woods, Shrow. The F2 calendar. You guys just finished Monza, and you've got a race left. Yeah, it's in about three years' time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, somehow they decided that we should have like seven races in ten weeks, 
Uh, and then two months with nothing to do until Abu Dhabi. It, I mean, originally there was supposed to be Sochi, but then like something happened. I'm not sure what, but Sochi got dropped. And um, and now there's no Sochi. So it's it's a two month break between yeah. uh, Monza and Abu Dhabi, which is, I think, as big as the break between Abu Dhabi and then Bahrain the following year. Yeah, it's something so like that. It's two winter breaks. No. It's it's a little it's a little bit bigger this year, but in the past when we were finishing the season in December, that was pretty tight between the end of the season. But I guess it makes sense. It's like it's like right, let's cram it all into the European season, give you guys a break so that you guys can go, you know, whatever, and then come back and have the finale. But your championship's already decided, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty pointless at this point. I mean, it, for for my team, it's not because we we can still gain a couple of well, one at least position in the in the standings. But yeah. I okay. guess there's always stuff to fight to fight for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's what I would say is it would be nice if you know we could have dropped one of those seven races and maybe go to say you know Singapore, Japan, something like that. That would be cool. Kind of you know somewhere on the way to not on the way, but like somewhere in the same kind of but geographical F- area as Abu Dhabi. F two or GP two has done Singapore in the past, hasn't it? Confirm. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But so they they, they do been. kind of mix up the uh, the late like east eastern races as well. That's... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would make sense to go to you to the US or Mexico or something because it's obviously the opposite end of the world. But in any case, the, like the freight is left yesterday or something for a race in two months' time. So I'm pretty sure that the boat's going to be kind of around there earlier than in two months' time. So it, it probably would would have made more sense to to add a race there and and subtract a race in Europe. But it's it's what it is. It's yeah. um, it's it's a. I mean, I I can't say that. In the European season, I've been able to do anything other than survive. Yeah, yeah. Like no development, no nothing. Just no. okay. This race rinse, is done. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Next event, yeah, next exactly. event, next event. Yeah, exactly. So it it makes it quite hectic, but it's an experience. I got you. All right. Um, what are we thinking? What are we thinking next? We've got calendar. We've uh, got F two. Driver market and the uh, shocking revelation that Nick DeVries actually went and optionally decided to hang out with Helmut Marco. Oh my God. I mean, and, and this is, this is, I'd love to get both of your opinions. I've just done a video on break F1 on YouTube talking about DeVries. Cause I like, here's the thing. I'm so, I've been so locked into formula one for the past ever that I don't spend too much time consuming other series. So I was like, who is Nick? Where did he come from? What is his background? What's his, you know, what's his path to, not getting a seat in Formula One. So if you if you want to check that out, if you're on YouTube, it's Break F1. Uh, if you're listening to this, check it out after you finish listening to the pod, obviously. But um, so DeVries has just done, done sat in for Albon, who had uh, an emergency weight-saving operation. Um, interesting, I looked it up. Uh, an appendix, on average, they vary quite a bit, but it's only about uh, 6.4 grams, which is less than three ten thousandths of a second of lap time so i really don't think that's actually first order mm. at all did, did you look that up or did you steal that from my tweet the other day no, i looked it up I, oh. I put it i put it in the video of me actually googling it so there is oh, okay, proof that okay, i did okay. it i i don't steal tweets all right so uh, other and those can... and those three ten thousandths of a second is around what circuit uh, in general it's an average so it's a it's a roughly kind of thing so i was i was joking but, but it's god damn it i failed oh, the race engineers are fighting fucking albay come on hate it here. switch on switch on all right so but anyway so realistically if he gained that much weight latifi's still about uh, a lap behind every race so 
DeVries went up against Latifi and he scored some points, which has bumped Latifi down to 21st in a 20 driver championship. What do we think about DeVries? Because he has been talking to the good doctor about... Uh, so the reason is Gasly is being eyed up by Alpine because Alpine have fucked off all their drivers. <laughs> Yeah. No one wants to drive for them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get let's even, let's, let's even, go even back. Even kids tonight. who don't have drives, the pro even, move. You know, any anyone. I think if they offered you a drive, like you'd say no at this point. I I, I would I, I would I don't know. I'd I'd ask for a contract. But like, what what? Mm. So let's go. Well, they're on the podcast. I, they're on the podcast next week, offering us jobs. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll I, th I, I think if Gasly doesn't work out, Jacques Villeneuve is is next on the list because yeah. I think he tested last week and he did okay. So okay. I think he might be. Might be on the list. Okay, Jackie Newtown. Um, what? Uh, so I've lost. I've lost track of the amount of teams that Nick DeVries is now currently linked to. Yeah, there was a, there was a I... really interesting graphic on Twitter the other day of like the spider's web of all the the uh, up and comings. But like, he's the dude's twenty seven. He's been out of Formula Two for what three years? Four years now. He's been an yeah, FE. And, what do we What do we he... make of him? What do we make of him? Do you want to go first, Dan, or do you want me to go? I mean, mine's very simple, and it's the fact that I don't really know much about him. Um, you know, it's it's crazy for me to say it out loud, but 27 making your F1 debut, 27's like ancient now yeah. Yeah. in terms of F1 debuts. Um, and, you know, he jumped in the Williams and he scored a point. Does that mean the Williams is actually not that bad of a car? I don't know. Um whatever so i'd say my take on it is from a junior formula perspective and like following his career till now so i met nick the first time at, at mclaren when he was i think like 16 and he looked 10 he's like a very very small human being still and at the time he was just the skinniest scrawniest limb guy and uh so he was a mclaren junior at the time and uh he took so he was just out of karting where he was very successful it took three seasons to win Formula Renault 2 Liter, which is a long time. Yeah. Then, then he finished sixth in GP3. Um, and then he took three seasons to win Formula 2. Now, if you compare that to a guy like Oscar Piastri, who won Formula Renault on his second season, Formula 3 on his first season, and Formula 2 on his first season, that's an impressive yeah. kind of you know, progression through the journey formula. Nick did not have that. He he was always very hyped up, but he he, he never quite delivered. And it, it took him a, t a bit of time to to hit that mark. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard different theories. Like, there's an issue with consistency, which you see in Formula E now. So last season, consistency was not a thing in Formula E because you have this stupid qualifying. It, there's format. so much chaos in RNG in yeah, sport, exactly. Which is which is yeah. interesting. It makes it interesting, but in terms of like assessing him. His, in his performances, it's like are you playing virtual slot machine or something. Yeah, it's funny if you look at his uh, kind of results over the last season. Like just go on Wikipedia, and it, it's like first ninth retirement, retirement first sixteenth retirement, ninth second. You know, it's it's a bit all over the place, but that's the same for everyone. And then if you look at his season this season, it's the same. But if you look at Van Dorn's, it's more like first, second, third, third, second, fourth, second, third. You yeah, know, yeah. it's it's a it's a normal champion's progression. Yeah, yeah. And, and my view is that he won the title last year because it was such chaos that he kind of thrived in that chaos. In that, yeah. on his day, he's unbeatable, but he's not consistent enough. And I've also heard from uh, from uh, your mate Pierre 
Gasly. Yeah, Gasly. Mentioning that he he doesn't think that he's very strong mentally, which which kind of makes sense because it, it, he is rapid in a prototype. Like yeah. in an LMP2, is is an alien. Yeah. And then, but but then you you're hardly ever racing. You're just kind of driving around, kind yeah. of on your own through traffic, obviously. And there's a lot other different challenges, but it's rare that you actually have on track racing for position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you just like in the zone, and the guy is 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 very very fast. He's not, you know, he's maybe not the fastest, but he's definitely in, like in that group of two or three guys that I put in prototype tomorrow if I had to choose. But when it comes to single seaters, you need that kind of you need mental strength and, that and consistency, and resilience. Yeah. So, and, of of the current grid of drivers, uh, we've you've mentioned Piastri his F three and F two dub back to back. You know he won F three, came into F two. Yeah. Piastri is one of those up and comers. It took Nick three seasons to win F two. He only had to beat Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> Go to himself. Yeah, who was on his yeah. fourth full season, sixth Nick yeah. season. Listen, I'm not accepting any of this slander. Of my boy Nick, <laughs> Dan. All right, Dan's he on front. Sent watch. me. He sent me a lot of Nutella to hype him up. <laughs> okay. On this oh, big lad. Um. So, who else on the current grid has also aced F three, F two back to back? George Russell. Yep. Leclerc. Yep. I think that. I think those are the two. I think that's it. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Lando, Mac, Lando, Max was so good he didn't even need to do it. Yeah, he just yeah. skipped. Over. He's just <laughs> like, yeah. go cars, a little bit of Formula shit box, and then straight into a Toro Rosso. <laughs> uh, I mean that, yeah. and that's actually that, pretty nuts. But that that begs that that kind of begs us to ask another question. Talking about the certain dilemma that we've got with the super license points now, because there's some people, I'm you know, as I said, I don't follow other racing series because I'm just too fucking busy you know, writing Python code to analyze Formula One data and making mid-YouTubes. But um, we've got a little bit of a dilemma with the two things. Um, super license points being one of them. What, what, what's what's our take on that? The system seems broken. I, I've... Right, okay. I've not had enough cold and flu medication to try and fucking make heads or tails of this super license system. Right? How can you sit there and tell me that you can't give a super license to what's his name? Was it Carlton Herter? Yeah. But you can give one to um, Nikita Mazepin. You, you <laughs> can fuck off. Right? You know, like what is actually happening? Like, do you that... want me to explain where that comes from? Yeah. Please. Oh, please, someone do Come it. On, it's I don't, it's I so easy. It's very know. simple. So this system was put in place with the guise of supposedly stopping. Max Verstappen from getting to F1 because no one wants that, right? Yeah. Uh, because it's too fact. young. After yeah, the after fact, the they saw yeah. like, right, let's make a system this... which is not Max. The system yeah, is let's not. Let's not this happen again. We don't want this to happen fixed. again. Fixed. F1 X fixed. Yeah. And so, obviously, at the time, who was in charge of F1? Old Bernie. Bernie. And Uncle Bernie. Who's, who's, who's Uncle Bernie's best mate? Bruno Michel, who is the promoter of F2 and F3 at the time, GP2, GP3. Yeah, and so this super license system was basically built to maximize cash going into Bruno's pocket and therefore into <sighs> Bernie's pocket. No, we've we've already had this discussion. It's not about making money; it's about saving the planet and being fair. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically, the the system is built so that you have to do this the, the Formula Regional, Formula Two, uh, Formula Three, Formula Two ladder to get into F one. 
which is why you get as many license, like you, you get as many super license points finishing third in F2 as you do for winning IndyCar. You know, it, 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 that's fucking insane because Formula 3 is like a bunch of 17, 18-year-old kids on their maybe third season of, you know, the good ones are on their second or third season of open-wheel yeah. cars. And yeah. you've got, you know, legitimate legitimate racing drivers with a lot drivers, of race craft, yeah. with a lot of maturity and a lot of talent in IndyCar. And they're like, you know what? You're, you're, you're paid you're... a lot of money to yeah. do their job. You know, these kids are paying a lot of money just to get a drive. Yeah. And it gets even more ridiculous the further down you go. So, uh, so t this is how ridiculous it was a couple of seasons ago. Um, so, Formula Regional was a championship that was a bit of a joke. So, the FIA tried to start it. They, they gave it to the wrong promoters. And, and then there were two competing championships at the same level, Formula Renault and Formula Regional. Yeah. And Formula Renault was a, was a good grid, lots of cars. Yeah. From the regional had about 11 cars at one point but like a lot of the guys that we see now on the grid in the formula one they came up driving formula renos as well exactly but they they tried to break formula Renault effectively and that didn't work so now it's all the same thing again but it, it, this one championship formula regional gave you as many super license points winning it as winning super formula which in are Japan. which are like the closest thing you can get to a formula one car without driving yeah. a formula one car yeah, it's faster than IndyCar. It's in the driver's the driver's standards is okay. They're, they're, most of them are Japanese, so there's a certain amount of spectacularity to it. But you're talking about Kobayashi's, Nakajima's, yeah. uh, Nick Cassidy, Alex Palou. You know, professional drivers, good drivers. But also, there's been a lot of the young drivers where we've you know Red Bull in the past have deliberately sent their drivers. Uh, mm. who, who did that? Gasman Gas, did a Gas, bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, a couple the, other guys did some. Pato, Pato Wood was there for a bit when he yeah. was a Rebel Junior. Dan Tixon was there. Stoffel Van Dorn did it yeah. when he was a McLaren. But but and the point is, uh, like that was they stopped doing that because there were no super license points in it. So in terms yeah. of teaching a driver how to drive, it's a great championship because Absolutely. it's a difficult car, difficult tires, high level of competition, high level of engineering. But if you only get twenty points and you go to F two and you get forty for winning it. And yeah. it's gonna go, have to, you have to go to F2. Yeah, you have don't to, have yeah. a Which brings us to another dilemma. What mm. happens when you win Formula 2 and your dad doesn't buy you a Formula 1 team? You're screwed. Yeah, I mean, but that's the, that's the thing. And that's, that's the whole talking point is um, the F2 and F3 CEO is defending the fact that after you win F2, you cannot compete in F2 again. So if you when you finish F2... You literally have to go do a different championship, and you know that makes sense on some points. But when you've had Mazepins and Latifis, and originally when you had Stroll, I think Stroll's a reasonable driver now. And yes, his dad has bought him a team, but Lance has become a very reasonable Formula One driver. He's not going to win championships, not in, yeah. not in any universe, but he's not no. a bad driver. It doesn't all stand out as the worst all driver four, on the grid. All four Lance Stroll fans are going to send us hate mail now. <laughs> Uh, it's it's all his ex girlfriends. So it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Oh, okay. But but like like never mind that. So like what like what is what is the answer? Because we've got this this broken super license point, which only if you drink from the correct straw can you accumulate enough points. And then the, and that get, straw breaks as soon as you win it. As you yeah, win it, you and then you get to the anymore. top, and then you're cut off. And it's like right, well. There's there's Mazepins, there's Latifis, there's other people buying teams, you know, um, and there's people, you know, backing, you know, for example, like Joe's, for example, he's he's done a very reasonable job in his rookie season, I think, 
but also his CV doesn't look spectacular, does it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like you look at it and you're like, okay, but like somebody's backed him and put him in a car and he's actually done very well in my opinion. So it's like, yeah, there's, it's been, it's, I've been impressed by him because as you say, the, the CV isn't there and the, and like the, the results, okay. In his third season, he came second fine, but yeah. you know, mm. it's not first or second season, then it starts to get a bit tricky. Yeah. Um, my opinion on this is I, I get Bruno Michel's point of, if you let the same guys do it over and over and over again, then they'll beat the young guys because they know everything. And and it, yeah, if you build a championship like he does, which is 40 minutes free practice, no testing, no tires, and just go and drive. <laughs> yeah, then that's the case, of course. The you experience accumulate is, experience. It's king. Yeah, of course. However, like, how does that tie up with a guy who wins it in his first season is now not allowed to do a second season? Because... But a guy who doesn't win it for five seasons can do it for five seasons. That doesn't make any sense. No. For me, if you want to put a limit, you put a limit. You can do only do three seasons, yeah. and then you're done. Yeah, that's or, fine. Or if you're that fucking shit, you get one season, and if you're abysmal, go drive something else until you get a result in a different series. Because it's like there's a bunch, there's a bunch of filler in those grids as well. They're just just paying cash and burning cash. Yeah, but I mean, teams survive on that filler, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's also part of it, you know. It's it, I, I kind of feel for teams at the bottom of the grid who who have to take cash machines so that they can afford to survive. And and sometimes it's impressive that these teams sometimes get results with the cash machines, which which is good for them. And then maybe they can start to attract better drivers in one day, do reasonably well. But it's how the it's how the junior formula has always worked. But you have to find a balance between cash and and talent and if if a guy who wins it like piastri in his first season is not allowed to come back on the grid the grid's weaker yeah and and because yeah, and he won it last year you devalue those grids as well because it's like for ex yeah. for example nick beating only latifi do i am i that excited about that no not but really. like he, he's yeah. he's been pretty adaptable and he's been good but you know here's here's another thing here's a solution to that tree getting cut down you know once you hit the top of the f2 tree what about um what about some more teams on the F1 grid? And then there's the question of, does it devalue the, the Formula 1 grid? What are these people bringing? Are they bringing more to the commercial value of the sport than they're taking away from the fries pool from the, the big dogs taking the lion's share of that home? Uh, no, fuck them. They can just stop Ferrari's historical payments and then evenly distribute that out. If there you, you go. If you can't put Job four done. wheels on a car, you should lose your historical payments. <laughs> Basically, if you <laughs> bottle a championship this hard, then uh, you're not getting any Christmas bonus money. <laughs> Mate, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like that's one of those things they, they haven't earned that in a long time. And um, that, no. that's one of those things that's bizarre to see. But it, it seemed like in the press, Toto was one of the most critical of, um, you know, Andretti coming in, who has a huge pedigree in motorsport. But I, I don't know. Does... Does Formula One need them or do they need I mean, F1? I mean, remember when Haas came in and there was this big hoo-ha about America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, yeah, and then our real team because Ferrari and this and that. You look at Haas beginning of the season, they was kicking ass and taking names. Like, you know, it was that was really good to see. I think everyone enjoyed watching K-Mag come off the couch into an F1 car and put a P6 on the grid in Bahrain or whatever it was. Yeah. And and so I think the more teams, more teams would not be a bad thing. 
uh, provided that the current mechanisms of evening out the playing fields yeah. are working. But I mean, that, to me, that's you need to have competitive teams. You don't want extra teams like we had in like around 2011, 2010. You remember when we had like the F 1.5 teams? I don't even Patrons, remember that. The, oh yeah, it was yeah, terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. They're like, okay, you think you three can come in, but like you have to use the shit engine and you have to start yeah. from scratch and everyone is rubbish. Like, was, but, yeah. but like with the rules now, what's to say that? You know, Andretti couldn't come in as a customer team buying as much stuff as they can buy from someone else and, and do better than Williams is doing right now, who have a huge past in the sport. You know, they were, what, when did they finish third in the championship? Was that 14 or 15? Uh, four, anyway, either way, you know, it, it's not been that long since they were up at the top of the pecking order. And now new regulations, they've, they've clearly missed the mark as well. They've got the Mercedes, which isn't the most powerful engine. And they're sitting back at the back of the grid doing, you know, they're having a difficult time for a, a team that's got a lot of experience in the sport. Like, you know, uh, yeah. that, that struggle, I struggle to make sense of that. It's like, okay, yeah, you guys have a huge history in the sport, but what's going on? I mean, history is, is not really worth much in no. terms of making downforce. Is money, it? All right, all right. So, money, money, money. So, uh, that's that's Ferrari's Christmas bonus gone because they've absolutely thrown this championship away, which I think they did have the fastest car until the shutdown. I don't think they've got it anymore, though. But so, uh, I, I think we've talked about a lot on this episode, and uh, we're probably just going to have to have Joao back. And uh, I'm happy to be back. Good. Yep. Some other time. Hopefully, uh, I'll feel more human next yeah. time. But you know what? That, that That's all right, man. We're gonna, We're all going to have those days. Like... It'll, it'll be fine but i think it's time that we step on to one of our uh, favorite segments of the show yeah and i haven't, even, I haven't I even thought of it here we go hold on you ready you ready this is new That is tremendous. Michael, Michael again with another sound, but he's done our intro. He's also done Fraud Watch. And next, and just because he's been so good at it, I'm going to get him to do um, Engine Mode Good Boy Award. But I think I don't have anybody for that. But who who are we putting on uh, Fraud Watch tonight? Joao, since you're, since you're the guest, I think you've got to go first. Yeah. So you have to explain the concept. So, I, so uh, anybody, I something. basically anybody in the motorsport uh, who's very very fraudulent you know and like they've had a maybe they've had a howler or they've had a shit performance mm. or they've f bottled something and it doesn't you don't have to rip into them massively it's it's super lighthearted. nobody takes yeah. this podcast serious anyway normally normally it's for like obviously the race that we've just had but given the lack of a race then i think we'll accept anything in the motorsport community I mean, I have quite a lot of candidates from my McLaren days for that, for that, because uh, we we went through a host of, of fraudsters. As soon it, as, as soon it's got to be. Things... I think it's recent. It's got to be somebody, yeah. somebody who's like a current, like confirmed fraud, and it can't be too personal. Because it has to be Otmar for me. I think Otmar is, <laughs> is the biggest yeah. fraud on the grid. I mean, it's unbelievable how much of a mess he's managed to make out of the whole Alonso Piastri etc situation like you look at the timeline that was posted on motorsport.com about oh yeah we'll give you a contract we'll give it to you tomorrow and then three weeks later still nothing you know and and it sounds like the same was going on with alonso and so i mean how you manage to make such a meal out of that is is pretty impressive it is that insanely impressive is is it's 
yeah, he's a fraudster. Sorry. Do you reckon? Do you reckon it's Zaf now, or do you reckon it's the um, the big boss above him? Because a lot of these chips were probably set in motion before the Zafnauer showed up. Maybe, I argue. I don't. Oh. Know. I don't know. I do not know. I'm gonna say definitely Otmar from the stories I've heard. All right, send it. Oh, he's on the fraud watch list. All right. I mean, the thing is, like. It's it's because it it turned out in McLaren's favor that we're not talking about Zach being the fraudster here, because but, yeah, I mean he's the the guy has offered like he's signed like twenty three drivers to IndyCar with a carrot of you might get an F one drive, like and and you just had the same situation with um, Palou uh, signing for two teams in in IndyCar and yep, that's yep. been resolved now that you know obviously they probably brought big lawyers on, on either side and, and they ended up settling instead of spending billions in, uh, in, in, in the courts. But uh, I mean, I, 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 I think that between Otmar and, and Zach, I, I, I saw McLaren heading in the right direction and now I'm not so sure anymore. And, and the way they treated Ricardo as well, like publicly, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's not, obviously he's not doing well. It's not working out, but to kind of come out in the press and say the things that Zach said, when their car is clearly dog shit as well. Yeah. It's not like, you know, they have a car to win races and he's finishing 12th. No, they have a car to finish 8th and he's finishing 12th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but, but right. still, but still, I think there's some questions you got to ask and like being an adaptable driver is super important. For sure. Super uh, and, important. And, and I think that they, they did the right thing to move on from him and he probably did the right thing to 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 let that happen and not, not put up too much of a fight. Um, but I think it's not an elegant way of treating it in the press. No. But still, Otmar is my... You're fraud. Is he's on Fraud Watch. He's... Okay, I won't do that again. <laughs> Dan, what are we saying today? Fraud Watch. I mean, this is yeah. this is your original segment from, from your stream. So I had to think about this. And after everything I've seen on Twitter recently, um, I'm going to give it to Silverstone. Oh, whoever fucking signed off on the idea of having adjustable pricing for the tickets. That's criminal. What? So what, explain what, what, what's okay. So pricing? if you don't know what's happened, basically Silverstone released their tickets for next year's race, but the prices increased depending on the demand. Oh, so some people like in the morning would buy their ticket for like, I don't know, I don't know what the figures were exactly, but let's just say 189 pounds or whatever. And then by the evening, they'd have risen to like 280 or something ridiculous like that. And like people all over Twitter were like, oh, I've been in a queue for 10 hours. And then the website crashed twice. And some people, when they put it in their basket and then went to check out, the price had already increased by like 30 pounds. It was just, that's man, that's fucking criminal, man. Was I'm it probably. The- wasn't there a bar somewhere in Southampton where you went in and it was like a stock market of beer? They so had that. Depending... Yeah, they had that in Austin as well. There was one of those. It's like depending on what yeah. people are buying and drinking, you can like get all the lads together and like drive down the price of your favorite IPA. Yeah. You fruit. So basically, it's the same concept, but with Grand Prix tickets. Yeah. Well done, mm. Yeah, well done, Silverstone. I mean, it clearly didn't put people off because apparently they've already sold out of general admission for the entire weekend. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've they, made bank, so yeah. fair enough. That's yeah. that's the uh, so Silverstone is Danza. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do that at all. I can't do it again. 
fair enough. And that's that's actually pretty fucked up. And it's it's about the fans, you know. It's about the fans. It's not about the bottom line. It's not about making money. It's not about the environment. It's about the fans and absolutely mm. taking every single fucking penny from them that you can. The stupid yeah. bastards buy all right. the merch, buy the tickets. But, but they get to listen to Lewis saying that they're the best fans. Well, they are because they fucking Worth deserve it. that, man. If he, and if he doesn't do that, he's going on fraud watch because he needs to gas them up because they've just had their entire life savings ripped out from under him. <laughs> some of those poor souls. I've uh, I've had a little bit of an issue. And I, I, I don't, I'm not. You have a lot of issues. Yeah, I am. Go into it. Well, I'm, I'm gonna have to honestly put myself on fraud watch. Oh. Ooh. I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, I I know you do. But uh, so I was playing some F1 manager. I think Dan, you've been, you've been dabbling a bit with the F1 manager, have you? The old. Yeah. Do you want to know? I tell you what. Right. This is. Have you hired me yet, Blake? Have you hired me yet? Question. Well, we're gonna get rid of reveal this live on the stream. Or live on this. So, guess how many hours I've played of F1 Manager in the last two weeks? 200. 89.8 hours. Mate. That sounds I, just, like... I want people to know that I do have a full-time job as well. He's a grinder. He's not fucking around. No. Uh, Joao, are you in F1 Manager? Confirm. Oh, my God, dude. All right, so... Um... I, I think I'm the only engineer that has a lower rating than GP. No, there's a load of uh, Hamlin. Everybody's. Like, I've got I've got Pierre Hamlin, and I'm really not feeling how he's getting on with Gasly. I feel like they're there's just too. They're both of them are too French together, and it's causing yeah, some really weird dynamics. So uh, I think we're I'll, gonna we're gonna Ben I've Hamlin. Gotta... We're gonna Ben Hamlin, and uh, Jean Genet is going to be my race engineer. We'll pull you up from the from the junior leagues. All right, Friday on my Twitch, we're we're gonna get you out. I need to scout you though. What's your price? I'm the cheapest. I'm All like right, I'll cheapest. give you. I'll sell you some a packet cheapest of crisps chips. or something. I'm like I'm like 200 rand a year, which right. is like the cheapest. Oh my god! All right, I'm gonna find you. GP's way too much, and I talked to GP about his salary. I was like, that's it's, fucking bullshit, man. To every yeah. to everyone who's listening, my actual salary is exactly what F1 manager says. So if you want to hire me, just keep that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So to to put myself on fraud watch, I have managed the fuel for the race car for over. 100 oh. actual formula one grand prix uh, i ran both of the cars out of fuel on my last race uh, i was i'm so dead inside i don't even remember which track it was but my fourth race of the season wherever that is i was just i was distraught i was I, I, broken the, but the biggest full part i've had and i haven't played much i just kind of tried it um, was uh, on a safety car restart, not putting him back to it like attack mode. You just bought... like leaving it on conserve and harvest and on and save fuel behind wasn't, the safety car. Wasn't that what Lewis did at uh, Zandvoort? Confirm. Yeah, and, and Abu Dhabi last year. Oh my goodness! I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna. You can't, you can't say Abu Dhabi on this podcast. Sorry. All right, you're welcome. I'll, we'll edit that out, right? Will we yeah, fuck? Please. You gotta do. Just bleep gotta, it. Just bleep it. Yeah, you, you gotta do five Michael Masseys now to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> make up for it um but yeah I, I i fucked it man i ran us out of fuel unfortunately sunoda was a lap down so if it wasn't me on fraud watch sunoda and f1 managers on fraud watch because he's been driving absolutely dog shit he can't give me feedback on the car he's got on his outlap in practice he says this fucking car i'm like mate it's your outlap so, so anyway he's dedicated he's you know i like that yeah. Uh, he's uh he's special. Yeah. Yeah. But actually I really actually like Yuki. So he's a, he's a nice kid. 
Why don't we, uh, I don't really have any good boys for this week. Does anybody got any good boys? Engine mode good boy. Oh, I didn't even think about it till you just said it. Uh, any good boys of the week? Uh, I can't think of any, so no. I'm going to say no. No, I'm, I, I think we skip it. Why don't we, um, why don't we call it there for the night? We've had a nice long episode. We've had an awesome first guest. Um, mm, yeah. So, João, this is your time on the pod. Tell people where, if you want them to find your Instagram, tell them where to find that. If you want them to find your Twitter, which I don't think you use actively, or why don't you use this to plug your podcast for all of our Portuguese listeners? And they're also going to have some English yep. episodes as well when we have a uh, guest. I've checked the stats. All 21 of you Portuguese listeners out there, listen up. This is for you. You have to join Domingos, the Domingos bandwagon. Yeah. So uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, one lap behind, um, and I just post pictures. I like taking pictures. You're so actually a decent photographer. Oh, thank you. That's that's very kind of you. You you were you were a very good photographer yourself. Um, so uh, that's a big compliment. Um, yeah. So, but I do I do put in uh, clips of, of our podcasts as, as stories. That's the only stories I ever post. I'm really not very active on Instagram. Uh, Twitter for the podcast is Domingos Podcast. Uh, which we use also not a lot because I don't have time. But now I'm going to start using it more because we're gonna, I actually we're gonna, have a break. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sort you out. We're gonna sort you and, out. Uh, and yeah, check out our podcast if you speak Portuguese. And if you don't, check out the Mexican Grand Prix edition of our podcast featuring Break himself. Hello, hola. Uh, in English, so uh, uh, I mean, you, I, th I hope you use all your Portuguese words during the podcast, but the rest of it will be in English. Otherwise, you'll be very—you got your wish. You'll be very monotonic. Uh, I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah. My Portuguese is shit. So, but yeah, that's all I've got. Awesome, awesome. Um, I think that's a wrap for today. We're gonna be back. Are we gonna do an episode next week? Are we gonna fraud one in maybe next Tuesday, Dan? Yeah, I think so. I think we could probably do, we fraud one in next week. I'm gonna go back. Don't edit this. You can leave it all as is. But I found my engine good boy award. Okay, go on. And it's, it's wait, hold whoever... on. Let me do the intro. Oh my god, it's engine mode good boy. It's whoever took the uh, interview thingy podcast I did on the last lap, translated it all to <laughs> Romanian and stuck it on like the largest <laughs> Romanian sports website. Someone sent me a link to that earlier. And, I, uh, I appreciate that. Those were some, those were some Twitter copy pasty, Twitter copy pasta mafia level yeah. of uh, journalism on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to do now is because it's quite a big site in Romania, I'm now going to use that as my evidence for verification. On yeah, Twitter. bro, send it, send it. Yeah. And then I can finally beat Matty WTF1 and getting verified. Nice. That's, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Hey, you know what? When are, when are we going to have the uh, engine mode 11 versus Matty WTF1 boxing match? Because he still has you blocked on Twitter, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in heavy training for it now. Okay. So, you know, soon. Good, good. All right. Well, you dirty bastards. Uh, Joao, thanks for joining us. I hope you have an awesome time. Uh, Been a pleasure. We will see you guys next time. If, if you're on the stream, we're going to hang around for a minute. But um, why don't you, wasn't everybody else? Um, stay fraudulent and go fuck yourselves. Right, Dan? Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs> All right. 
Amazon Business honors Jill Lau, Chief Procurement Officer of Global Network Bank. Last week, Jill saved big and used Amazon Business to help her team buy 327 headsets. Now Bob can keep his conversations to himself. Wait, am I still on speakerphone? With business buying easier than before, Jill now uses her extra time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. Thank you for holding Hang it up, Bob. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.